Stand, if you would, for the reading of the word. We shall commence. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 22. This is a very long psalm, uh, 51 verses. It is also pretty closely parallel and almost identical to the 18th psalm that's in your book of psalms. But This is a psalm that David wrote toward the end of his life, and it's a psalm of thanksgiving purposefully. We'll hear now the first third of the psalm. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. For the ways of death encompass me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of Sheol entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called upon the Lord. To my God I called. From His temple He heard my cry, and my cry came to His ears. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked because he was very angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him as his canopy. Thick clouds, a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before Him, coals of fire flamed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered His voice. He sent out His arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world were laid bare as a rebuke of the Lord at the blast of His breath of His nostrils. He sent from on high. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hate me. They were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because He delighted in me. And then we move to the very end of the psalm, the closing Verse 47 and following. The Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. The God who gave me vengeance and brought down His peoples under me. Who brought me out from my enemies. Who exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the men of violence. For this I praise You, O Lord, among the nations and sing praises to Your name. Great salvation He brings to His King and shows steadfast love to His anointed, to David and His offspring forever. The Word of the Lord. You may be seated. Quite a psalm, isn't it? This is David in his exuberance. This is David in his gratitude. You surveyed the story in the life of King David the last few weeks, and you know what a tough time he had in so many places. And you know his ups and his downs, his failings, his coming and going. But now he's putting the bottom line to it. 
And you get right down to it. All of his victories, all of his progress, everything that he enjoyed came from the Lord. It was the Lord Himself that girded David. In fact, in the portion of the Scriptures, that we, the passage we don't read, He thanks the Lord for His extraordinarily muscular body. That's a good thing to think about. He had thick, strong arms. He had massive thighs and calves. He had a torso. He was, he was built for war. He knew how to thrust a javelin and swing the sword. He knew how to march. He knew how to climb. He knew how to jump. He knew how to thrust. God had fashioned David for warfare. And David had led out in that great venture from the time he was a young man with Goliath all the way through to constant Philistine warfare, the Ammonites and other quite strong enemies. The Lord had given him victory time and again. And he's thanking the Lord for it. And he's telling us basically that the Lord is his rock. It's really the, the cleft in the rock. It is a, it's an imagery out of the Old Testament, out of the book of Exodus, where Moses sat in the cleft of the rock, where it was high up and away from the enemy, and it was a vantage point to see the battlefield, but it was also a safe place to be. And the Lord over and over is referred to in the Scripture as a rock, unmovable, the immutable, unfazable mountain, the rock. David saw the Lord as his rock, his place where he could hide in the cleft of the rock and be secure and be safe. And no matter how many times have we seen David get into the cave or get into the cleft, to get away from not only King Saul, but others as well in his, in his um, warfare with all of the enemies. Now, we're not going to be able to cover the whole psalm this morning, so if you'll permit me for a moment, I'll just kind of teach a little. Uh, the psalm is really in four, it's a song. No doubt David composed it, no doubt David sang it, and he probably sang it in the tent, the tabernacle that he set up to hold the Ark of the Covenant, because they didn't have the temple yet. It hadn't been built, and the tabernacle was in, in uh, shreds down somewhere in the area of Shiloh. But the Ark of the Covenant had been brought to Jerusalem and had been there, and David often would go into that tent and sit before the Lord and, and pray and cry and, and sing and worship. And he gathered around him, and he began to organize a, a chorus that became the temple choir. But it was more probably like an ensemble group they would get in there and would sing these songs that David had composed. And it was, really there's a sense in which the, and this was called Zion. This was Zion's hill. Uh, it wasn't the Temple Mount, it was the, another high place there. David loved high places, by the way. Um, it was a place where David would go and would, and would have a, more of a spontaneous worship service. Uh, it was void of all the formalities of the Levitical set system. I submit to you it was more like New Testament worship. There was no sacrificing, no blood, no goats, nothing like that. There was just the sacrifice of praise. David and his singers and musicians and his, his people with him. And David often said that he would testify before the great congregation. 
The great congregation was the assembly of his people there in that region. So this is David's testimony. And I'm going to ask you before I'm done, is this your testimony? Can you have these following phrases said about you? Listen to this. He said, the Lord is my rock, my deliverer, my Savior who saves me. I am saved. In my distress, I called on the Lord and His cry came to me. Is that your testimony? Can you testify over and over of how the Lord has saved and rescued me? Verse 18, He rescued me from my strong enemy. The Lord was my support. Verse 20, we just read a moment ago. He brought me out into a... He rescued me. All through the city. You begin to get the point? You see the point. It's the salvation of the Lord. He delivered me. Verse 44. And then what we read there at the very end was the Lord lives. He brought me out. He exalted me. He saved me. This is David's testimony. This is David giving God the credit and the praise and the glory that he deserves. David had a great reputation of being quite a man of valor. But David tells us that it was the Lord. The Lord was in, and everything here has to do with, with his protection. The Lord was his deliverer, his rock, his shield. It's obviously what that means. The horn of my salvation. The horn is uh, taken from the animal kingdom, is often the, the, the defense weapon and even the offensive weapon that's used by the animals, the, the rhino, the bulls, the rams, they all had that horn that was, that was the point of their power. Their whole weight and their, fo their focus was brought to a single point which had immense power. I am saved. And then in the verses 5 and following, he starts talking about death. And as I briefly sketch this psalm, for you here in the moments we have left, I want you to think about what King David is saying, of course, and think about your own life, of course, of the places you've been in, the circumstances you've been in with the Lord. You've cried to the Lord in your distress, and He heard you, and He answered. And He made a way where there was no way. He led you out. He brought you out. Oh, when I start thinking about those little moments in my life, I just about can't take it. Because it brings me to the end of myself in a hurry. Think about your life. What's your story? If you were to compose a 51 verses, and if you notice almost all of them are in parallel, they say the one thing and they'll say the same thing again in the next line. Parallelism is, is universal in this particular psalm. He says the same thing twice. Very poetic, very beautiful, very literary, but, but also very heartfelt. But the person I want you to think about as well is Jesus Christ. Because this passage talks about death, burial, and resurrection. Here's all of the things about death. The waves of death encompass me. The torrents of destruction. The cords of shield entangle me. The snares of death. That's Christ. Dying with the horrible, horrible ordeal that was His death that you're very familiar with. In my distress, I cried to the Lord. And then there's a description here of the Lord visiting in His judgment. 
This is uh, shades of Exodus and the Mount Sinai. So the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations trembled and quaked. Smoke went from the nostrils, defiring fire from his mouth. Clo uh, glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the darkness and the heavens came down. Thick darkness under his feet. This is the, 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 uh, the cloud, the dark cloud, the, the water-laden cloud that comes. This is Christ in the darkness upon the cross. This is Sinai and Calvary. Two mountains where God does His work for His people. Verse 11 is a beautiful verse. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. You remember the Ark of the Covenant. Remember it's a, a box with a gold slab on it and fashioned out of one piece were two giant cherubs. Who the cherubim came up and their wings touched. And that was considered the throne of God. So David's imagery here is that God is on His throne, but it is a movable throne. It's not one that just sits in one particular place. It's anywhere you need it to be. Ezekiel saw the same vision with God's chariot. It had wheels on it. Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the middle of the air. That's what that's talking about, is that God's throne is movable. When you cry unto God, He takes away all the space and all the time factors, and He's there on wings of the wind. He comes when He's summoned. He shows up in the darkest night and in the greatest plight. And this is a picture of what David went through and what Christ went through on the cross. It's a, it, and then the lightnings and the thundering that it mentioned there in verses 14 and 15. And all the blasts that come. Verse 18, He rescued me. The picture is that He was pulled out of a flood. There was a great flood and He was pulled out of it. That's what the word Moses, the name Moses means pulled out of. He was, Moses was extracted and pulled out of the Nile River when his infancy had rescued and brought to the courts of Pharaoh by Pharaoh's daughter. And then what did Moses go to do? He pulled God's people out. He led God's people out under what? The waters of the Red Sea. This is vivid imagery that is, that is uh, grounded in the, uh, in the uh, life and experience of Moses, but David experienced it, and ultimately it's talking about Christ. You remember, Christ said in the Gospel of John, He said, if you knew Moses, you'd know me, for He wrote of me. That's how we know Christ. We know Christ from the Old Testament Scriptures. We cannot unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. That's how we know Christ and see Christ here in His suffering and in His, in His uh, being um, devoured, as it were, by all of His enemies, by the, by the raging throng around Him. Now, I, I'm not going to spend any time on it, but verses 21 forms through verse... Uh, Oh my goodness, it goes down to about verse 31. From 21 to 31, that section is an extraction from the Deuteronomic Code. The Deuteronomic Code, you remember, the Code of Moses said, God said, if you do this, I'll do that. It was a conditional covenant. It was an obligatory covenant. God, they were obliged. God says, I will bless you if you'll do this, but if you don't do this, I will curse you. Remember the terms of the Deuteronomic Covenant? The Deuteronomic covenant was given after God had already saved them. 
Then God laid before them commandments for their obedience and how they were to walk with Him in life and how they were to live their life. And God promised a certain amount of reward for obedience and punishment and curses for disobedience. That covenant came after the salvation. God saves His people first, sovereignly and directly by His own initiative. He saves us. Then He gives us the do's and the don'ts. A lot of people get it backwards. They think the do's and the don'ts are there in order for them to keep it. And if they keep it, then they are saved. If they don't keep it, they're lost. And they they end up with a a merit-based salvation. That is their merits, not the merits of Christ. And, And they're very, very confused. Well, David... Uh, pleads his case according to the Deuteronomic covenant in those 10 verses. I wish we had time to deal with it, but basically he talks about his obedience, his uprightness, how he had turned away from wickedness, and time and again he had followed the Lord. And, and you read that, you go, David, what about Bathsheba? <laughs> what about this? What about that? You know, you think of the great sins of David. Well, the point was that he had loved the law of God, sought to obey the law of God, and he had always turned toward God in, in faith, in re- repentance even in his depravity and in his sinfulness. David lived in in the terms of the Deuteronomic covenant. He sought to obey the Lord. He sought to know the commandments of God and to walk in the paths that God... Not in order to be saved. God had already saved him. God was going to save him out of just sheer merited favor. Verse 20, He rescued me because He delighted in me. That's just it right there. God saves you because He loves you. He loves your sorry self. (laughs) Your sinful self. He loves us. And because He's loved us, He sent another to keep all those commandments on our behalf. And that's Christ. And that's the way, if we had time to deal with it, we'd talk about how Christ fulfilled the Deuteronomic covenant and earned all the merits and the blessings of that covenant. Not only that, he bore all the penalties of the curses of the Deuteronomic covenant. Well, that's enough about that. We're about, about out of time. But the, the other stanza, we're not, I mean, the other movement that we're not really looking at too much is, is 32 and following. And this is a great passage that is a royal victory song. Who is God but the Lord? That's always a question mark in the ancient day. Is who's the true God? Is it Baal? If so, be served Baal. Is it the Lord God? Is it the Asteroth? Who's the true God? When we find out who the true God is and worship Him, then we will see that God is a strong refuge and has made my way blameless. And he goes on to talk about how he had pursued his enemies and they would flee when he didn't even hardly have to pursued them much at all, and how God delivered them into His hands, and how God scattered them, and how that even people that didn't even, He didn't even wage war on would come and surrender to Him. And that was true in David's life. His reputation was so strong that some of those nations outside of Israel would become vassal states to Israel simply because of the reputation of David and his mighty war. They didn't want to be the next one attacked, so they would pay homage to King David. They would, they would lay down their arms against him. And then those that stood up to him, he would destroy them. But he said it was the Lord. He said, you delivered me from the strife of my people. Remember, it was David's son that led the rebellion against him. It was his own people sometimes that were the most problem that he ever had. Just just like Jesus. He came into his own. 
but his own received him not. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power, authorization to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name. And then finally, in verse 47 and follow, the passage we read is the passage of Christ's resurrection. What do you think verse 47, the first three words mean? The Lord lives. And exalted be my God. God is exalted, but this is a reference to the exaltation of the second person of the Godhead, Jesus Christ. When He was raised up by power, by resurrection, and by ascension, and by enthronement and coronation to be the King of His people. So he says finally in verse 50 and following, I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. Oop, we've gotten way beyond Israel at this point. Old national Israel is the nation that God chose and God has never walked away from Israel. Israel is still God's chosen people. There's no salvation outside of Israel. If you're going to become one of God's people, you've got to become a Jew. You've got to become part of the nation of Israel. And I'm telling you that according to the Old Testament, those of us that are born Gentiles haven't a chance unless we are grafted in to the olive branch, unless we're grafted in to the true vine, unless we've been grafted in. And that's exactly what the Scriptures teach us. That's the whole burden of the book of Acts, the book of Galatians, large portions of Romans and other passages in Scripture, Ephesians 2, is to tell us that we as Gentiles have come to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and we've been grafted in by Christ. And we're part of that root of Jesse, David's father, and that we are Christ. And by being Christ, we're now Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. All that God promises, He promises to Israel. And He fulfills it in the remnant of Israel, believing Israel, and grafts the nations, the Gentiles. Sometimes this in the old translations was translated heathen. And that's a pretty good translation, I'm afraid, for where we actually live. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the heathen. I will sing praises to your name. And listen to this last verse. If this last verse isn't New Testament gospel preaching, then I don't know what is. Think of Christ. Great salvation He brings to His King and shows steadfast love. That's that covenant saving love to His anointed Christ and to His offspring. That is all of us who believe in Jesus Christ and have come to Him, the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world. And the last word, I like it. It's the word forever. We're talking about eternal life, everlasting life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God, that, that cloud and that lightning and that earthquake and that thunder and that fire 
The wrath of God abides on him. Which are you today? Are you one who has the Son by faith? Or one that doesn't have the Son? If you're one that doesn't have the Son, let me tell you how wide the door is open. Come unto me, all ye that labor, and I will give you rest, Jesus said. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today's the day of salvation. This is the appointed time. Not tonight, not tomorrow, not the next day. You come when the Spirit calls. Nobody can come unless the Spirit of God draws them. If the Father is drawing you, you need to act now and come through the wide door, the open door. Christ said, I am the door to the sheepfold. Hear His voice. Reckon with Him. Repent of your sins. Call upon Him to rescue you, to save you, to deliver you from that pit that you're in now which leads down to death and destruction and eternal torment. Oh, I wish I had more time to plead, but it's not my plea. It's God's Spirit talking to you that you need to pay attention to this morning.